Hey, fellow traveler, welcome to the Third Eye Awakening podcast, a show where we talk all about spiritual and psychic awakening, magic, the shift from 3D to 5D, star seeds, ascension, multiple timelines, multiple dimensions, the universe, the multiverse, the Akashic records, all the good things. I am your host, Amy Blair, and I'm so glad to have you here with me today. Okay, let's do this. Hi, everybody. Welcome back for another episode. Today, I'm really excited to have a conversation with Christina, who I met through the podcast. She's a listener who reached out to me and let me know what's up. And she joined Soul Space. And we've been in some conversations ever since. And I'm really excited to delve into this conversation with her today to share with you all about her experience so far with spiritual and psychic awakening. So welcome, Christina. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to do this and just have this place to speak freely. Yeah, I'm really excited to just learn more about what's been going on with you. So to begin with, what does spiritual awakening mean to you? Well, now it means something different. I think that it meant before, and you've mentioned this on other episodes um, and, and on your Facebook page, but just, you know, before I was like, oh, yeah, spiritual awakening. I feel free. I got my arms up in the air. I'm welcoming, you know, whatever lovely light is coming in. Well, while that part is sort of true, it's not been like that. Once I really started to, to get into understanding myself for what it means to myself. So for me, it's been breaking out of the initially the emotional box that I had put myself in. I mean, like how long I'm allowed to feel certain feelings. You're only allowed to be sad for this long about this. You're only allowed to be happy about that, you know, this long about that and so on. Um, And then also breaking out of the, the box. And I love the word that you use, the things that I've subscribed to and kind of the things that I had subscribed to without even knowing it, that were really going against what my core beliefs are. And so now for me, it's just exploring what are those things that make me happy, not what make me, you know, acceptable and successful to society, because it doesn't matter what, I mean, it it matters, but it doesn't matter what other people around me think. I'm the one that's with me all the time. I'm the one that needs to make sure that I am comfortable and grounded and emotionally safe and sound and physically safe and sound and so on. And so all of these things that had happened throughout my life up to this point brought me to, you know, a serious place of desperation, which left me with this space and time to really think about what I want, who I want to be in the world. And when I get to the end of my life here on earth, am I going to look back at these moments and wish that I had spread my wings more? That's where I'm at. Yeah. I love that question. And that's been a really big motivator for me in my life too. Like, you know, I think all of us contend with fear and I certainly do as well and we we contend with like the limits of who we think we are and what we can do and I kind of like the thing that always finally helps me to push through it is thinking about like the last moment of my life and being on my deathbed and having no time left and reassessing and being like did I live up to what I came here for <laughs> or did I yeah out and it's so powerful to me like I think it's the most powerful motivator that I have really Yeah. 
Well, yeah, because then it makes you really think because hindsight's 2020, right? So if, if I get to that place where I have no time left, when I look back on this, what are these insights that I'm going to have had after the fact that I can actually apply now? Like, yeah. you know, when you put yourself in that, in that end zone, if you will, then you can view it without the intense emotional, like baggage that you might otherwise look at the these big life-changing moments or any moments really, I suppose, but definitely it's the big ones that you focus on or I do. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally agree with you on that. So, so what I really want to hear about from you is just your, your journey and your spiritual awakening, but do you want to give us a little bit of background, whatever you're comfortable with about like who you are and where you are and kind of like give us a little bit of context Yeah, absolutely. I think that's important. So I am a 38 year old woman. I live in Northern California. I've worked in education or some sort of mental health or with kids for the majority. Well, no, not the majority for my entire adult life. I have two small kids, a six-year-old and a two-year-old, both girls. They are amazing Mm -hmm. and they have definitely saved my life quite literally so many times definitely more often recently, like in the past couple of years, but they're just, they're like little beacons of light, not like they are beacons of light in every sense of the word. They're fucking amazing. I currently am tutoring because of the pandemic and because of some of the things that happened that brought me to this position in life. I had a good, but tough childhood. My parents did best they could with what they had, but there wasn't as much support about addiction and abuse in other forms and just self-care. There wasn't that much like in the eighties and then, you know, the nineties, it kind of started to shift. And, and so here we are now with much more open talking about addictions and abuse and all of that. So to not be too cryptic. It was a little violent when I was younger. And as many people likely know, or are experiencing now that rewires your brain into kind of gravitating toward familiar people. And I say that to explain how I ended up in an abusive marriage. I mean, an abusive relationship. My marriage was not abusive. I was married for 10 years with my ex-husband for 12. That's who I had my first daughter with. And then I thought I was okay. Emotionally, I thought I was fine. I was sad, devastated. And, but I thought, well, I have organized all of this emotional nonsense in my head. We're good to go. I'm going to go ahead and go online dating. That was a terrible idea. I did not know that until now. (laughs) Again, hindsight's 2020. So my ex and he was so different than my husband was. And I thought that that's what I wanted. He was very into music. He said the things I wanted to hear. He was exciting and intense and our relationship moved way too fast. But again, I thought I was fine. I thought that I was being realistic about what was happening, but now I can see that I was ignoring giant red flags, which I won't do again, but perhaps this is the way I needed to learn. And so then the relationship became pretty violent and 
what I really realize now is that during the relationship, what, and lots of women do this and maybe men too, but for sure women, like I see his light. I see his good. I see who he's supposed to be. And without thinking it so specifically, I thought, oh, I'm going to love him and show him what, you know, loyalty, friendship, healthy love. I'm going to show him what that looks like. He'll like that because uh, who the fuck wouldn't? And we'll go on and live a happy, you know, life together with the little white picket fence and la la la, you know, whatever. I thought we were going to be fine. But again, it was very violent. And in fact, I'm in the middle of a legal thing with him right now, which is difficult because that's another kind of place where I'm like, okay, when I get to the end of my life, am I going to look back on this and be proud of how I handled this, how I presented myself through this nightmare? And I think for the most part, I am going to be able to do that. Like I knew that I would, but kind of talking about how Caroline gave me, or like we did the Akashic reading and it, I just, that and a couple other places, I've had some validation, like, yes, Christina, you will be able to move through this with grace and dignity. And not only that, you will be able to get what you need in order to have a safe and healthy life. So all of that is obviously heavy and deep which has brought me, like I said, to some serious places of desperation. And I feel like while that, those places of desperation, you know, the like sobbing to yourself on the floor, you know, late at night, trying to make it so no one can hear you. Those moments where you feel so alone and you just are like, what in the fuck just happened? How did I get here? How did I let that happen? How do I never let that happen again? And it's that question right there. How do I shift? How do I learn from this? What the fuck is the lesson that I was supposed to learn from this? Because, oh my God, this was painful and I almost fucking died. And so it was there that I really started to trust myself and reach out into places where I felt like I could be heard. And so at first it was, you know, other people who had experienced addiction troubles. Um, I'm a recovering alcoholic and I, and like, so addiction and then, okay, well, I got the addiction thing down because this is the second time I've been sober and will be sober for a long time. But then I also started like, okay, domestic violence survivors, like, let me find this. Oh my God, there's narcissists everywhere. They're like multiplying, like fucking amoebas. Like, oh my God, what is happening? (laughs) Right. And then I was like, okay, this is just painful. Like, yes. Okay, great. Unvalidated. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. There's a lot of other not so nice people. Yes. It wasn't me. It wasn't my fault. Okay. Good, good. All very important part of my journey, but now what, now what do I do? And so then that's when I was like, you know what, what's this third eye thing? Like I've heard about it. I understand it, but I don't. So where can I start to find more information about it? And that's always been my move. Like, something fucking crazy happened, or I learned about something new and I'm just going to find all of the research I can. I'm going to scourge the internet. I don't think that's the word scourge, whatever. I'm going to look <laughs> on the internet. I'm going to go to the library. I'm going to buy cheap books off of thriftbooks.com and I'm going to do the thing and find out all I can. So then that's where I have been at. But the other things, like I've had little moments that were very profound up until this point that made me 
know that there is way more out there than just this 3D world that that's how I always found comfort in the people that I had lost and just, or like when crappy things would happen, like, okay, this isn't it. I'm going to go somewhere after this life. It will be different. We'll organize it. We'll sort it all out. All will be well eventually, because otherwise I was just going to be overwhelmed and defeated thinking that these terrible things just happen and there's nothing you can do about it. You're just supposed to struggle and endure your whole life. And then one day you die. Maybe you die really sick. Maybe you just die in your sleep. Who knows? Good luck. You know, like, fuck that. That's not how my life. No, 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 no. I cannot accept that. That's all what life is. So that's how I found you um, is the third eye awakening podcast. And then the first episode I listened to, I was still, it was your first episode. And so you did, you know, some background and you were talking about your ex that was very toxic and it was very difficult to leave him and, and what felt like to you give up on him, leave him behind. And I was like, Oh, me too. Because even though my ex was so awful to me and did such terrible things, my brain and my heart and my body would not let me believe with certainty that that's all he felt about me. Like that was too much. Like, no, no, we had a soul connection. I can't just think that I went through all of that abuse and like now he's potentially going to get in serious trouble for that. Like, I just can't believe that that's all it was. You know what I mean? There needed to be love in there also. I just couldn't accept that. So, yeah, I feel like now I'm just rambling. But no, that was great. There was so there's so much in there, so much in there. And oh, yeah, it's so tricky. Like relationships are so tricky our brains are tricky Mm. our programming like our you know our our vulnerabilities that's why I think everything like you know because you're in soul space but like pretty every every third live that I ever do is a rant on like getting into our power and owning our worthiness and all that stuff because like there's we're just walking around with these gaping wounds that get implanted in us from childhood sometimes that we are carrying over from past lives and then they get reactivated like I what I see is we don't carry active wounds over so we're not what I see is we're not born you know with a giant gaping wound we're born being like I am the shit (laughs) and then eventually people reacting otherwise gives us the impression that we're not the shit and we have wounds that then get reactivated from previous lives anyway so we have all this like wounding and it leads us it, it leads us into these experiences where I really do believe like I deeply love on a soul level that um person that I was in a relationship with on a soul level but like never ever again will I ever be with him in this life in a romantic capacity in more than like a, you know, positive co-parenting capacity. Like I just won't do it for his sake as much as for mine, because Mm -hmm. what, like, if I love him, why would I even reactivate all that stuff? But also same for me, if I love me, why would I reactivate all that? Mm -hmm. But I do believe that we have, we have soul connections and it's not wrong to, you know, say like, no, 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 it wasn't, 
all just abuse. I mean, maybe sometimes it is, but when it yeah. doesn't feel like it is and just to acknowledge, like it wasn't all just abuse. There is love there. There is a soul connection, but that doesn't mean I owe that person the opportunity to keep fucking indenturing worse and worse karma by abusing me. Yeah. Yes. Both ways. Because that was one of the questions I asked last yesterday. I can't remember exactly what the question was, but the response basically was, this is part of his, his soul journey too. And that made me feel better. Not, not, that sounds so superficial. It made me feel peaceful Yeah. Not because I am struggling as a human and, you know, as a spirit like that, that me trying to hold him accountable could really irrevocably, irre- that word, irrevocably, oh, there we go, change his life and and knock him on his ass the way that this whole thing has knocked me on my ass. Because I know that this isn't his fault. He had a direct impact with the choices that I made and he he really damaged me, but I'm putting myself back together and, and his soul needs to be able to kind of do that too, so that he can undo his stuff. And I don't want to spend all my time talking about him, but it just has been such a huge part of my like self-discovery, self-awareness. One of the things that's made me think of that, he had a back injury and he used to always, when he would go to the doctor, he would say things like, I know my body. I know this is wrong. I know this doesn't feel right. I know, I know my body. And I would always think, wow, that's like a really fucking cool thing. Like, you know, your body, do I know my body? Am I paying attention or am I just reacting to symptoms that I have trying to make those go away so that I can continue to move through the day with whatever responsibilities I have. And I have found that, yes, that, that for me, that's what was true. I was just responding to symptoms, you know, headaches, physical ailments, whatever, so that I could continue to, to move through the day. But now I realize I do know my body now, because now I know that what I thought was butterflies was my body saying like butterflies when I first met him and we were first spending time together. Now I know it was my body saying, no, no, run, 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 run this isn't right. You know, it's like that real fight or flight feeling activated in my body. And that's how I'll never, one of the ways I'll never let that happen again. But I don't know that I would have had such a profound realization about my body and how I react like in a somatic way. I think that's how you say it Mm -hmm. to the people around me. And so now it has brought me to a place where I'm like, oh, that's why I get so like altered when I'm around certain people because I would be around certain people even now and it would change my mood and it would change not really the way I speak, but because it would change my mood, it would put me in a more like protective cocoon about myself and how I speak and how I would be accepted around those people. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Okay, good. Because it's those kind of things in your brain where you're like, am I making that shit up? Is that? No, but it sounds right. And it feels accurate. You know, like when I read, let's say something really religious, it makes me uncomfortable and I don't understand it. And then I read something, you know, more metaphysical and, and 
along those lines, like your, your angel has never been a person and they'll manifest in some way to, you know, help direct you for the day. That shit makes sense to me. Yeah. I know it doesn't make sense to everyone, but it makes sense to me. I read things like that and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, all right, I got it. Good. Now I know what I'm looking for. I don't feel that way when people are trying to force, you know, let's say Jesus down my throat. Like, no, I just don't believe that there's only one right way. I can't believe that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. And I think what you bring up about like knowing your body and just knowing your own reactions and knowing yourself is such a valuable thing. It's so interesting to me how many of us like are, are programmed into a constant state of betraying our own knowings yeah. to the point where then we question like, cause what you said to me makes perfect, perfect sense that di- different people's energy affects you because you're sensitive to energy and because probably because you grew up in a household where there was some violence and some like some tempers and unmediated emotions coming from people Mm -hmm. and so you learned to sense things and predict them so that you could adapt to like kind of walk on eggshells and hopefully not trigger those things or at least help to not escalate them when they were triggered Mm -hmm. So of course you're a very sensitive person. Of course you're going to respond to other people's energy in a way that like helps you to feel more safe in the situation. And it's so, so funny that you would say like, am I just making that up? It's not funny because you're programmed to doubt yourself. We all are. We're so heavily programmed. It sucks. But but what you said makes total sense. And I think you know many people have that experience. And yet we're we're all we we all are given this bizarro notion that like life just is this certain thing. And all of us who have any variance in our perception of it and any more sensitivity to it are just crazy cuckoo bananas we'd get made fun of if we talk about it like yeah keep it to yourself it's wild because actually we're so brilliant we're so brilliant and we're so intuitive and like your your ex you know just knowing his body like of course we know our bodies but of course just like you said it's not encouraged. It's not even talked about, uh, you yeah. know, or in the mainstream at all whatsoever. And of course, what is encouraged is to get about your daily tasks and focus on a really like in 3D, we're already focused by default into a very narrow bandwidth of information vibration. And then we're further encouraged to narrow that down to like, (laughs) I don't know, like the most infinitesimal little slice of, you know, information that's really physical and is really like frenetic day-to-day business and don't pay attention to your body. Don't pay attention to your feelings. Don't pay attention to your intuition. Don't pay attention to the subtle, you know, non-language cues that other people are giving you. All of that's nonsense. Like pay only attention to your bills and what you have to do to get through the day and blah, blah. So you can hurry up and die. Yeah, exactly. Right. that. There's no reason to be here. Just get through your day and have a bunch of those and then die. <laughs> yeah, like that sounds terrible. I don't want to do that. Yeah, no, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. But you something you said earlier too was so interesting to me when you were talking about like that 
point where you were like, I can't accept that bad things just happen and they, they don't happen for a reason. They're just random and they just suck. And you have no idea when they're going to happen and you just have to deal with it. And then you die. (laughs) I, I, I think you did such a good job at articulating that. And it makes me sad to think about how many people have that perception that's really this because we're not really allowed to make deeper meaning. I mean, we are allowed, but it's not encouraged. It's 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 not to make deeper meaning out of anything. And I've seen, I was saying to my partner that, so on Facebook, I have not seen anybody's posts and I'm just talking about people in my Facebook friends list on my uh-huh. new feed. I've not seen anybody post that they lost a loved one to COVID, which I'm not saying nobody has, but I just, in my newsfeed and I have a lot of friends, I haven't seen that. What I have seen a lot of, especially over the last like four to six months is people losing people to suicide. And yeah, really breaks my heart a lot because it just, tells me how hopeless people are feeling and how like pointless life feels to them. And Mm -hmm. I I think like, I know I probably sound kind of conspiratorial, but I totally fully do think that like we're being programmed this way because it keeps us disempowered. It keeps us easy to control. And, and I really think that, that really the, the, the big top of the pyramid powers that be that we don't even know about really do prefer that we feel that sense of hopelessness and meaninglessness and like all of us are just here yeah they're weeding out the chaff that's what it feels like to me yeah yeah I I agree I totally agree and I and so I'm so happy that even in the in the wake of extreme darkness and pain in your own life that there is that fighting part of you that was like no fuck this (laughs) yeah I'm not giving in to the hopelessness that this is just life and life sucks and it hurts and then you die. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm just so happy that, and if anybody is listening and you do feel that way, I love you and please join Soul's Place and please message me because you just don't have to feel that way. It's not a judgment against you if you do, like the the odds are against us to make us feel that way. But I'm so glad that you had that, that bit of fight within you. That's like, absolutely not. Well, and, and that's interesting that you say that. And I would love to just like take that and be like, yeah, it was all me, but it wasn't like, it was so my team behind me because one of the realizations that I actually had the other day. So there was one night where my ex just had a lot of anger and no matter how small I tried to make myself, it didn't calm him or soothe him or change anything because he was having his own, you know, personal, he is having his own personal battle. Yeah. Cause it wasn't that, that stuff wasn't about you. You were just there. Right. Which for a little while, that uh, side note really fucking infuriated me. Cause I'm like, if it wasn't about me, why the fuck did I have to be there? You know, but, cause that was really shitty and painful. But so there was one night where it was really awful and, um, you know, alcohol doesn't help because it is a depressant. And at the time, you know, you, you might feel like it's helping you, but really it's just freaking making it worse. It is numbing you enough to endure the moment, but it's 
the, the come down and the recovery the next day and the, all the days after is just, it's not worth it. But I say that because I yelled and screamed and called me names and threw things at me. And by that time, I mean, this was like me balled up in a corner for a couple hours of him just doing this. Like he'd leave for the room for a little bit and then he'd come back and just keep fucking berating me. It was awful. And he finally left the room and I could tell that he was gone. And I got up. I've never said this out loud to anybody, to anybody. I got up from the fetal position that I had been in and the gun safe was in that room where I was. And I know that I know that passcode and I put it in three times and it wouldn't open. And on the third try, I was like, I like snapped out of it, if you will. Yeah. Um, I like woke up and I was like, that was not me. Cause I know I fucking put that passcode in. And then instead I started to focus on freaking out that I had like locked him out of his own safe and oh my God, what's he going to do now? <laughs> like that I did that. And I don't remember the rest of that night, but I know even without asking Caroline yesterday to, you know, ask the record keepers, but they did intervene that night. And then a couple of years later, so then, or a year later, maybe in this past June, I remember standing in my window, looking outside, having that feeling that I was telling about like really just terrible things happen. And then you just die. Like you're just supposed to endure. And I'm supposed to pretend like these giant, huge things aren't happening in my day-to-day life or, you know, like, I'm just supposed to pretend I don't like that. I'm going to go like, and I was going to start counting pills and do something. And then again, this like wave came over me like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're doing. No, no. Go sit down, take some breaths, like pull your shit together, woman. You got this. I had a friend who did take his life uh, in 2016, and that was devastating to me uh, for a variety of reasons. I felt very guilty, you know, as many people do when someone that they love or even just know and care about when someone takes their life. For me, because I know that that place of desperation is terrible. And terrible doesn't even begin to describe it. It is hopeless. It is lonely. It's, it's violating to your every like part of your being. It's, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. Anyway, so that happened. And in both of those moments too, I felt like I could feel him. His name was Justin. Well, his name still is Justin. That he was coming to me right then too. Like, no, Christina, you're not done yet. Like, You'll get to go wherever we go when it's time, but you cannot go now. And it didn't feel bossy. It didn't, it was just like, okay, okay, I hear you. I will go sit down. I will take my breaths like you said, you know? And so I I guess I shared that kind of, because I think it's important for my own story, but I think it's important to, if anyone listening does feel like that, that they're there are these subtle cues, you know, that you can pick up on, but that also you do matter and your work is not done, whatever that looks like. And then that it's, it is terrible to feel that low, but it's okay. And it happens, you know, like it's, it's not shameful. It's not something to be embarrassed about, you know, and there are safe places that you can tell someone that truth, you know? Absolutely. I'm so glad that you shared those two because the other thing is like really acknowledging that we're not alone. We're not like I 
I believe that our guides are limited because this is a free will zone, if you will. Mm -hmm. So we get to make our own choices and live out the consequences. And that's just part of earth life. Absolutely. But I also, I really believe that there are times when they know that this is not what we would choose and they have the, they have the perspective to be able to see the way that, you know, the, this, this little timeline is unfolding and to to get out of head ahead and intervene on our behalf because it actually is in support of our true will, which is to not, you know, not be murdered or not commit suicide or not be in an accident or whatever, you know, they can't stop every bad thing ever from happening. But I do believe that, that we are being held and supported and witnessed all the time. And that there are those beautiful moments of grace where they do intervene and they're just like, no, 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 no. This isn't, this isn't, (laughs) this isn't the way it's supposed to go. (laughs) Yeah. This is not your, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then I don't know if this will be of help to anybody. It certainly was for me. But so Justin visited me during a meditation and then also in a dream. And then also like shortly after he died, I was standing out on my front lawn, just like enjoying the sun. And then I got this, I was outside in the, like I live in the uh, rural country. And so there's not a lot of people. And then all of a sudden I got this whiff for minutes, I'd say two minutes at least of cologne, like out of nowhere. Like I'm standing on the lawn, there's nobody around. That's not my actual point. My point is that these visits like assured me then that he was okay. um, And like that he was telling me goodbye. And then like gave me a moment to be like, you know, okay, I love you. I forgive you safe travels. Not that he needed my forgiveness, but at the time, that's what I felt like I needed to like pass on to him. But I asked, you know, Caroline last night and there is no way for her to, um, you know, when you go on the Akashic records, how I understand it right now, you don't go into other people's. She was in mine, but in her, when I asked, like, is he safe? Is he okay? Is he where he's supposed to be? Like, is he safe? She said, she described him first of all. And that was awesome. Made me happy how she described him. And then that he had like smiling eyes and that he was like, just sending me love. And that feeling of relief, like, yes, I knew that that was true. And her telling me that, you know, via the records was so validating. And I felt like I could really take a breath and just let it out and feel like, okay, that part I did know I do understand and like my my point I guess in sharing that is that while none of us want ourself or other people to take their life that if they do they are not like damned to hell is my my point I guess yeah that's a really beautiful point to make and really important to I think just yeah, there's so much, there's, there's just so much baggage of shame and fear we put on freaking everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's an yeah, it's like, th- we don't have to be ashamed of feeling that low, you know, and I, I'm like, obviously not saying that people should take their life and because there's another positive place we can go, because I don't know how his journey was. It still might've been very painful when 
on his journey there, wherever he is sending me love, you know, but I just, that, that like shitty, heavy, like hammer that is thrown down. Like, oh, if you commit suicide, you're just a piece of shit and a fucking coward. All this just really angry crap about people who feel that low. And it's like, no, 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 no. Help them hold their hand, pick them up, help the people. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Oh yeah. And I didn't mean to get off too much on, on a side tangent like that, but it was such an important part of my, it is such an important part of my experience. It's really not a side tangent because I, I just think it's, it is really, really, really important for us all to release all of the shame that we have and we have so much and it's so crippling. Mm -hmm. It motivates so much of how we do and don't show up in our lives. Yes. And and we should never feel ashamed for being in those places of like despair and hopelessness. And, you know, it's a, it, it's heartbreaking when people don't get out of it because I know, because I've been there and I know that you can come out of it and it's just sad, Mm -hmm. you know, that, it just makes me sad because I love everybody, but, but there's no, yeah. I, I also don't believe that we, you know, therefore our souls are condemned to hell because we did something blasphemous by taking our own lives. I don't believe that we should ever feel ashamed about. And I think this is a big, big point that's so important. And I think it kind of unifies everybody who is going through a spiritual awakening because let's be real like it isn't like you said at the beginning like my favorite is when you watch like I don't know like a Joe Dispenza or something video on YouTube and and somebody's taken this stock footage of a beautiful young woman in a field and she's ecstatically happy and she's in a sundress and her arms are out in the sun yes and she's yes swirling around in happiness and I, I mean, my spiritual awakening gives me so many moments of sublime ecstasy and complete unity consciousness. It's incredible. But it also, it also has been like hard and yes. very painful and very confronting and it's messy. And, and because we don't have a lot of support around it in the mainstream culture, it's super isolating, super alienating. And I just think that a lot of people feel shame when we, like, I used to feel like such a loser all the time, because why are these things bothering me so much? And now I look Mm -hmm. back and I'm like, because you're a sensitive, aware person who doesn't just take what you're fed and blindly accept it. Like you're not a loser. It's the complete opposite. And life on earth is screwed up and we have so many layers of shit piled on us and it's hard to slog through all that and we can't do it without pain. And that's not a, that's not a shameful thing. Like feeling feelings of pain and hopelessness and sadness and despair and, you know, like, revulsion those are just experiences they're transient they go away they aren't who we are or what we are we can have them and it doesn't have to mean anything about us at all yeah except that we're you know human yeah you know while you were saying that it kind of I've been drawn to like Amy Tan books or like Lisa C which are they're both um, Chinese American authors. Mm-hmm. And so one of the themes that they- Did you write the Joy Luck Club? Yes. Yeah. 
freaking amazing. They talk about, you know, the, the foot binding. And I sort of feel like that's what our life lives have been like. Like we've been shoved into this little shoe that we don't fit in so that we can look this certain way and be pretty and dainty or whatever it is, you know, whatever characteristics we're supposed to have so that we can be acceptable to the world and, and then, you know, whatever. But then our spiritual awakening is like untying those shoes trying to get that fucking shoe off your mangled foot and then your mangled foot is like our life right our lives where we're bruised and mangled and now we're trying to like wear flip-flops and it's uncomfortable at first because we haven't been wearing flip-flops ever and so we have to like stretch our brain muscles and our you know our our soul muscles and like do yoga do soul yoga right and try and find how to wear flip-flops because really that's much more comfortable and free. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing analogy. I had really never thought of that, but I I think that's brilliant that, yeah, we're like, our identity is so tightly bound right from the start. And I mean, Mm -hmm. right from the start as a former midwife, I mean, right from the start, our identities are bound up and we are not honored and celebrated and recognized as fully, you know, self-realized autonomous beings just at the beginning of our unfolding through this one incarnation. We're just not seen that way. And, and it has this extremely restrictive, damaging effect on us. But the, the one difference is that I think, I think you're totally right. Like, whereas, whereas somebody whose foot has been physically bound, like probably their foot is never going to fully, you know, like it's, it's damaged, but I believe that our identities are not, it's, yeah, we do do soul yoga, like you said, and we do all this stretching and it's so uncomfortable. It's so, so uncomfortable, but I do believe that the life experiences we have, they, they transform us, but they don't diminish us because we are, it's impossible to diminish us. We are undiminishable, you know, beings of divinity that's just my perspective but I, lo- I love that and I think that really articulates it so well like what because really I'm just at this place where I'm like I'm absolutely not minimizing anymore the devastating effect that our culture has on on people and I'm sure other cultures as well but I just can't speak to them because I don't live in them right um, I'm not a, a cultural anthropologist so I'm not you know, I don't feel like I have any authority to speak about any other cultures, but certainly Western culture is really, really, really suppressive and damaging to everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's like, y'all are focusing on the wrong shit. Stop it. Mm -hmm. I'm (laughs) sure that's what our spirit guides are thinking all the time. And I'm sure that's what we think when we're, you know, in between incarnations or However, that's a very linear way of looking at it, but you know, not in a human incarnation and we're looking at the, (laughs) at the comedy drama that plays out. We're like, guys. (laughs) Yes. I saw this meme and it was a, a picture of, or maybe it was a GIF, GIF, whatever. It was a picture of like a college band and they all had masks on, but they had holes where their mouth was so they could play their instruments. And one of the band members like has his hand up and is like looking away from everyone else. And it says, this has got to be a show for aliens. It has to be. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that is so funny. that's always my joke I'm like this is why they won't come visit us because you guys are fucking stupid stop it 
Oh, yeah. oh geez yeah i know sometimes it's just like but do they want to come here <laughs> yes yes we don't have anything to offer of substantial like value <laughs> they don't care about mcdonald's they don't care about your fancy high heels or your reality tv show like be authentic be be authentic you know <laughs> <laughs> oh. or is it aliens behind all of it i don't know who knows right <laughs> that's a different episode Amy (laughs) I know right I was like I was actually I was doing a podcast interview with Caroline the other day and and after we were done I was like oh my gosh I could have taken it in so many different directions she was like I know how do you do this I was like I clamp down my mouth and I'm like stop you have to respect people's time (laughs) (laughs) that's a trick I haven't always learned yet or like I haven't solidly learned yet well we're all we're all in process aren't we I certainly Mm Oh my goodness. But speaking of time, we, I should let you go because just so you know, everybody, it's the miraculous that we recorded this because it took us like 20 minutes to sort of <laughs> our real. technology situation. It was, it did not <laughs> to be working in our favor at first, but anyway, we persisted. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but it was such a, such a, such a huge joy to connect with you. I just think you're brilliant and amazing. And thank you so much for sharing candidly about your journey and the messiness of it, because I know that, I mean, really that's where most of us are. And some of us are willing to kind of wear it on the outside. And some of us are covering it all up under layers of veneer. And some of us are sort of doing half and half, but the more Mm -hmm. kind of, uh, you know, have the courage to share as much as we're comfortable and willing to share the more we can all just feel validated in being who we are and where we're at so thank you right right you're my people I really appreciate your time too and I have absolutely enjoyed this and I I sort of feel like a kid kid in a candy store about this whole experience even though it is uncomfortable because it's like I I found my people I found my space I found it I found it that makes me so happy okay everybody you heard it straight from christina's mouth if you're not part of soul space already what are you doing come on over it's a lot of fun exactly just it. <laughs> we're all awesome there so yeah true true <laughs> uh thank you so much amy thank you and thank you everybody so much for listening as always. yes i love you and i value your time and i hope you're feeling as important as you truly are and having a great day or night wherever you are Thank you so much for being here with me on this episode. I appreciate you more than my words could ever say. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share, and I will catch you on the next episode.